Hey, and welcome to Game Talk episode 30. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. Today, I'm joined by Tristan. Hello. And Connor. Hey, guys. And the first thing I want to talk about today is streaming, specifically Microsoft and Google's initiative for game streaming. Now, both of those companies seem very confident in their upcoming streaming technology. Microsoft so boldly saying that very soon we'll be able to have console quality uh, game streaming with zero latency on any screen we own. And I think that's a very bold statement. So I kind of want to dissect like the state of streaming today and whether you guys think that sort of thing is possible in the next year or two or so. So I'll just go ahead and say I've been kind of, I wouldn't say ground floor, but I've, I've had my eye on this technology for a long time. I actually had a, a game or two on OnLive back when that was a thing. Are you guys aware of it? Uh, I've I've heard of the name, but I don't. Can know you what it can is. you elaborate a little? OnLive was the original, as far as I know, the original game streaming service. So the way theirs was set up was basically, if you bought a game on the OnLive store, you could play it through OnLive servers, and it just streamed the game to you. And like I was young at the time, I was probably thirteen or something. So I was content with it back then. This was forever ago, like almost 10 years not quite but and it it worked well enough for me in around charleston west virginia i think i had like a 10 meg connection or something at my house and it i don't know i didn't notice any huge issues with it so but it obviously on live tanked and uh ended up being sold to playstation which is what playstation now uses playstation now is done through on live servers right so just doing a quick google search uh, Microsoft's new service is called xCloud. So, and the idea is it'll stream Xbox games to PCs, consoles, and mobile devices, and it'll be available for trials in 2019. So I get that streaming has been a long, around for a long time, but for, for them to say like console quality streaming with little to no latency, I just don't really see how that's possible, especially with today's internet infrastructure is like throughout the majority of the country. Maybe I get if you live in an area with fiber, this sort of thing is possible. But what about some guy living in Montana? Like, I don't think he'll be able to utilize something like this. See, I, I think I buy it. Like, I'm having I, a hard I, time buying it. Um, especially seeing, I don't think it's going to be a problem on X or on Microsoft or Google's end. I think it's going to be a hard sell for the consumer end of this technology, especially with um, the way like, the telecom industry is right now and the way that people are already getting upset over data caps like you're you're talking about streaming a triple a game over the internet continuously uh people who have like data caps on that internet that's going to be a huge strain on them to be able to do this kind of gaming uh with zero latency yeah the whole data cap thing is a great point that i forgot to mention like especially with Comcast imposing data restrictions in a lot of regions where they provide service for what seems completely like an arbitrary reason. There's no reason at all to impose these restrictions other than to just nickel and dime people. But um, right, I I don't know. Just on like whether or not the technology can work, though. Oh, I absolutely I think, think it can work. It's just a question yeah, of same. how viable it'll be, especially like next year. Microsoft right. like starting to roll this out next year, which is just crazy to me. I think 
for sure it'll work in like cities like any any huge population center i think it'll work well um but you're and and i think it just i mean there's a reason like i think you were the one telling me Ahmed, that they they're going to release a console as well as a streaming console next gen yeah we'll talk about that in a bit but go but ahead. That, that's them acknowledging the fact that this just isn't going to work everywhere they're not claiming it will but yeah. like where it works it'll work well i think is the pitch and i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that there's there's no problem with offering this service to some people yeah and absolutely i agree that microsoft's right here that this is probably the future of just playing games in general like streaming and cloud technology is going to be like a core component of this going forward but just speaking from my like preferences and like kind of my old-fashioned viewpoints i'd never want like my hardware box to go away i think that would be pretty sad if that happened i like owning a console box i like playing games right there on my box rather than having to stream them through. If it truly is like completely latency free and there's no indication of like no stream artifacts or anything, then I guess I'd be more open to it, but I've yet to see something like that ever. So I guess I'll have to see it to believe it. We'll see. Um, I I think the technology in the next five years will exist because I think 5G is going to roll out. Mm-hmm. Uh, fairly soon and anywhere that has 5G this won't be a problem at all 5G is just absurdly fast and it's just a non-issue once that rolls also, out yeah if, if we're rolling out 5G and that's great for whoever has access to it but Microsoft is a global company so the idea of this being available uh, and working enough across the globe with varying infrastructures for internet technology it's I could see it in maybe the next five years for the U.S., but I can't speak the same for every other part of the world. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely think Microsoft needs to be very careful in their messaging for when they start rolling out the service. They don't want another Xbox One always on debacle where, you know, uh, Don Matrick was like, he infamously answered the question, but what about like the people such as the troops who don't have access to internet all the time? We already have a console yeah. for them. It's called the Xbox 360. Exactly. Yeah. It was a very arrogant and tone-deaf response in Microsoft. But I, I think it's... For it. They're clearly not doing that this time because they are releasing a console next-gen, and we know that. Like, Well, let, let me just be clear. Like, All of these are very, very credible rumors as far as the next-gen console goes. I don't want to speak as if they're fact, but most more than likely they're true. Just wanted to get that out there. I um. I wanted so, to talk a little bit, I guess, moving from the differences we've got going on here between Microsoft's streaming service and what Google is offering. Um, since Microsoft is still offering a box experience, the difference being one will be like physical uh, discs and probably digital downloads. Um, I don't know if they're ready to abandon physical just yet, but uh, I, I and think- then the other... Uh, I, uh, I just wanted to interject there. I think Microsoft is ready to abandon physical. I think they were be- ready to abandon it with the Xbox One. And hmm. they, it, I think they clearly saw that people were not ready to make the jump to completely digital and like always online and all of that. So that's why... I don't... They, yeah. Well, I hate... That. I mean, that, I don't know. that was a very different time, honestly. I mean, that was, what, 2013? We're in 2018 now. And I think if they tried the same thing again, it would probably work. I'm not convinced because if I if there's one thing to me that game streaming can do way better, it's like 
is hard drive space. Hard drive space is such an issue right now for a yep. lot of people I know. Like my roommate, every time, like every time you get to game, you got to wait for it to download. And then like, you know, half the time it's, you have to delete something else that you kind of like to make room for the new game. And even when you're getting a disc now, there's like a 50 gig download with it. And that's horrible. Like, yeah, just yeah. so much storage. Incidentally, and like, uh, just as a side note, Red Dead 2 is, is supposedly going to come out on two discs just because of its massive size. See, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. Like two discs. Okay. As long as I don't have like a hundred gig download with, uh, you know, Especially on top of like disc, it's just Tristan mentioned you have a data cap, you know? Yeah, some of those data caps like two hundred gigs. You download, yeah, you download two games, and like your your data cap's gone. You can't watch Netflix the rest of the month. Like that's horrendous. And I think that's a real issue that the people just don't acknowledge as much as I'd like them to. Like my my PC has two terabytes, and I don't have that many games installed, and it's full. Yeah, same with my PS4. Two terabytes, completely full. And that's that's just absurd. And a lot of it's just like you know, four K assets are huge. But a lot of it, I, I firmly believe, is developers not doing all that they could to make their games smaller. Yeah, I mean, just anecdotally, it seems like game development is such a chaotic and rushed, you know, experience that they just kind of, by, by the end of development, they just kind of like get stuff done and get it out the door. They don't really have time for optimizations. Right. You don't like, I don't know, stuff I'm talking about, like, I think originally Titanfall 2 shipped with um, voices for every language. And, like, they're just, you didn't need that. Like, those files were huge. That was, like, 30 gigs of voice lines that you just don't need yeah. at all. And, that's, and it was, like, a 50-gig gang. Like, it was just wasteful, wasted space, right. you know? But that's that's an aside. This, so we should probably get back to uh, yeah. game streaming. Um, actually, as you were bringing that up, that just, uh, I had a thought about the, I guess, if, as developers, and we're expecting that this, um, streaming your game just straight over the internet is going to happen do you think developers are going to buy into the idea that there will be zero latency or will they build games built for streaming where okay you don't we expect some latency so the game will be a little more forgiving if you can't stream it at the highest i mean i rates kind of like how design of the fps changed with the advent of like the twin stick controller i don't know i don't i I tend to say that I don't think that's going to happen. I still think the developers are just going to make games like the way they've been making games. And, you know, it's up to the hardware manufacturers to sort of accommodate them. Because if you make a box that does something, but everyone's games breaks on it, like no one's going to play your box, you know? Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, yeah, that's, that's tough to say. I mean, we already have like, in any multiplayer game, we already have so much compensation for latency. And that's another thing that seemed to kind of boggles my mind. Like, if we're dealing with latency in, an, in a multiplayer game, you know, like, how are we going to have a stream with no latency? Like, what's the, what's the reasoning there? How can one have latency and one not? It just, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, it, it, it definitely, Microsoft's talking about this like it's some sort of, like, black magic that they're about to invoke. So we'll have to see how effective it actually is when it starts rolling out. And I also just, I want to say real quick, I think Microsoft's will be around for a while, even if it's, even if it doesn't take off really with users. I think Google's is not going to last. I don't think it's going to be around very long. That's just my prediction, but 
Google tends to make things and just drop them. Like they're very fickle about what technologies Plus, they want to stick with. Microsoft's like leveraging this cloud technology as, as like the backbone for their games, whereas Google isn't really in games at all right now. I mean, they can use it for other things. Right, but, this would be... Uh, Pushing the narrative as Microsoft's doing it is like providing something that makes gaming better as a whole, I think is a very powerful tool and something consumers will buy more easily. And Microsoft already has these Azure servers, which is huge. Like they already have the, I mean, I guess Google has the infrastructure built up largely too, but I, I I don't know. I don't know how Microsoft and Google's infrastructure compare to each other. Because I don't think Google has like a database center. What does, does Google intend to do with their project stream? Like what? I mean, they're probably just going to sell games. So it's gaming so as well. What I was seeing um, from some news outlets was that it would be an in-browser sort of uh, gaming experience. Um, and what I thought would be really interesting with that is that since it's tied to a browser and not specifically a machine, that you could play these games on any device that could potentially link up to their system. That's I'm not entirely huge. certain you- whether or not that that would be huge. That would be an, that would be a selling point for me over what Microsoft is doing. But I don't know if I can see Google going in that direction. I don't understand. Uh, I was just going to say you triggered something in my memory. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, at least in Japan, I think, was released on Google streaming platform. And yeah, I read that you can play it entirely in like Google Chrome in Japan. Just stream. So I don't know about that. Tristan, what I don't understand is you're saying that a huge selling point for Google's streaming service is that it can run on any device, right? That's what you're saying with the... Is that like if I'm streaming it from my desktop computer right now and then... I have to go somewhere, but I'm not going to, but like the transit time is like two to three hours and I have it reliably. I could pick up my progress on my cell phone. I think that would be pretty huge. But isn't Microsoft also claiming that they'll be able to do that? That's, that's Didn't my you say, that you'll be able yeah, to play Microsoft's your games? doing the same okay. thing. It's just that I, okay, mean, I just really wanted clear. to clarify that. Oh, with their next gen console? Thing? Well, with their streaming service, with Project Cloud or xCloud or whatever they're calling it. Okay. The, the thing with Google, though, is Google Chrome is a pretty ubiquitous thing. I'd say even more so than, like, the Xbox brand. I mean, everyone uses Google. Yeah, everybody so, has Chrome. The Edge is only used to I download mean, Chrome. That potentially could open up gaming in general to a more wide stream audience. I don't know. We'll have to We'll have to see what happens. But I, I see some see, potential I'm still there, just waiting. Least. I wish that the technology was out in a way that I could stream my desktop to my laptop or my desktop to my phone. And there are things to do well, that, so, like NVIDIA Shadow Play, I think. Well, or- I mean, let's just hypothetical here. Like you boot up a game on your PC and then on your laptop, you use Google's streaming platform and stream it to your laptop. Should that not be possible? Well, if if the games and the developers, publishers... Right, but I, right I want to be able to play... Like, I would like to be able to play my game. Like, I want the game to be running locally on my machine so that I'm not, like, paying a monthly fee or anything. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. So, I want to have, like... So, I you want, want to host like, your game, essentially. My... Okay. Right. And there are a couple of ways to do that now, and none of them work very well. There's um, one... Because um, I, w- I remember listening to another podcast talking about this. Um, 
doesn't that already sort of exist in the uh, PS4 PlayStation Vita environment where you can have something on yes. the PlayStation stream to your yes. Vita? Right. How well does it that works work? Very well. Yeah, I've been across the country before and I've streamed in my Vita. Granted, there was latency and there were some streaming artifacts, but it worked. That was the coolest part. The fact that it worked. Right. I played. I had a I had an application called Kaney at one point, spelled K-A-I-N-Y, and unfortunately it's been discontinued. But um, I think it was like $5 I paid for it, and you just ran a server on your PC, and you could pick up your phone and stream your PC to your phone from pretty much anywhere. And I, I it wasn't across the country, it was more like across town, um, but I was able to play through all of Wind Waker, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and the Dolphin Emulator. Using See, that's it. awesome. And they, yeah, there was no like there was no latency bad enough that I cared, I guess. So PlayStation's actually been quietly doing game streaming for quite a while now in the form of PlayStation Now, um which is their game streaming service. You can stream like older right. games. You can PS1 stream Bloodborne and it. now yeah, exactly, PS4 games and they quietly dropped yeah. a pretty big game changer uh just like a month or so ago, you can now download those games in, as well as stream them. Um, so it's essentially just a yeah. Netflix so it's basically for games. It's a lot like Game Pass in that sense, but it also has yeah. streaming. And I'm I'm very interested to see like obviously Microsoft's kind of leading the charge on cloud um, cloud based gaming and streaming, but. I imagine Sony's got to be coming up with their own solution to this and something more robust than PlayStation now for whatever the next console is. Be interesting to see how they come up with their own solution. Yeah, I intend to give PlayStation now a shot here soon because I want to play Bloodborne without buying a PS4. Yeah, and especially... So uh, I will report back on my findings. If you don't want to stream it, you can just straight up download it now, which I think is a pretty huge deal. Well... Not onto my PC. That's only onto a PS4 or a PS3. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say uh, you could remote play it to your PC, but that's just kind of why would you do that? Well, I don't understand what you're so saying. So remote play is like an app you can install on, you know, your your P- your laptop and your Vita that lets you stream from your PS4 to that device. So I can... Right. But the whole, the whole point is I don't want to buy a PS4 here. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what you were saying. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to buy a PS4. I'm still going to get to play the PlayStation 4 exclusives because I'm going to pay for oh, PlayStation so, okay. Now. You can just pay for PlayStation Now without a PlayStation, is, is what you're saying. That's great. Yes. I did not know that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's how I intend to play Bloodborne. Uncharted 4 is not on there, which makes me very I mean, I'm sad, sure it will be eventually. The older it gets. Yeah. PlayStation Now also has what? old Older games like PS2 yes. and PS1? And PS3. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out then. I wonder if Demon Souls is on there as well. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a very like the pros and cons are evident for each platform right now. It seems like Microsoft's going to have a more robust service, but the question is that like, are there, is their games catalog as strong as Sony's? Whereas Sony's, you know, like, you get these great exclusives, but you know their technology isn't quite a, as up to par. So, and I worry too. Like, I, I use a Steam Link. Uh, which is a device you can use to stream your PC locally within your own home. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have my Steam Link plugged in in my living room, and my PC is in my bedroom. But if I want to play a game on my TV in the living room, I can because the Steam Link is. Yeah, in there. I mean, I think and streaming I, as long as it's all, you know, 
in your local network is not really a big deal. Yeah, what I'm saying is that that's very fast and all that works fine, but like software side, occasionally there are hiccups on it. And like that's acceptable on what is, you know, something Steam makes. Steam is very like very open about whether or not stuff is in development. They have beta firmware out for it and everything. But you can't have that on an Xbox streaming. Like that's that won't fly. Right. So I'm interested to see how they can avoid those hiccups. I was just going to say, I have an interesting question to pose to you guys. As people like Microsoft and Google and even Amazon stre- strengthen their cloud infrastructure, can you s- potentially see, like, maybe not next generation of consoles, but the generation after that, the hardware box being gone completely, and we just, quote-unquote, like, borrow CPU from their cloud servers? I think at the very least, we'll, they'll still sell, like, dummy terminals, like, just a box that you plug in that connects to Wi-Fi and everything, and, or, you know, probably in this case, Ethernet, but you'll still have something that connects to your TV that is Xbox branded, yeah. for instance. But I, I could totally see those being, like, just just for streaming, no actual guts inside of it, And it makes you it, think, really. like, just let's, let's hypothetically go down the route where, like, there are no boxes and everything is just computed in the cloud and streamed to you. Like, what's... I could see that. But, like, what's the it. upper limit on... Like, the concept of console generations are just going to disappear. It's, like, literally how much CPU yeah. power do you need? How much GPU power do you need? Like, I'm asking the developers. And, like, you can use this amount uh, to spec your game around. You know? Like... Yeah, I think there's a scary kind of possibility there where, like, certain games are going to cost more just because they're poorly optimized. Like, they're going to charge you more because you're using more resources to play that game, you know? I don't know. It's very fascinating. And, like, it's upon us, you know? Like, in less than 10 years, I'd say this is everywhere. And I think it's also interesting, like, you will have latency-free online gaming at that point, right? Because, uh... Your your instance of the game is actually running on the same exactly, machine yeah. as everyone else's. So there's less latency between your button and your game than there is between your game and someone else's game, and that's buck yeah. wild. Any last thoughts on streaming, guys? I'm excited for it, I guess. I'm a little skeptic on its state right now, but I'm definitely excited to see what they've got uh, coming yeah, up in the future. I, I echo Tristan's sentiments. But yeah, I think this segues nicely into the next thing we want to talk about, which are basically just next generation console rumors and news and that sort of thing. So we've heard snippets of pretty credible rumors from all three of the major companies, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. So let's just start with Microsoft since we were already talking about their um, cloud platform. So allegedly, and this is more than likely true, um, Microsoft is looking to release two boxes next generation. One is a traditional console box, and the other is a streaming box. And right now, their uh, next Xbox is branded under the codename Scarlet. I don't know if that has any kind of implication for what those devices will look like or what they do, but there it is. So, I just my first gut makes me wary that they're splitting their boxes up on release. Like, I feel like for an initial release of a new generation of console, you should just have one box to sort of avoid confusing the, you know, the mass consumer. Because, like, 
you know, like imagine like a 10 year old kid asking his mom for an Xbox on Christmas and like he wanted like the regular box, but his mom gets in the streaming box. Like I could see that scenario popping up. Whereas if there's like a PlayStation five out there, you know, like you can just be like, I want the new PlayStation. It's easy to get. It's easy to sell is what I'm trying to say. Right. But if the streaming works, it's not going to matter. Right. I mean, I suppose that's true. Yeah. It may not if, this, if the streaming works, but that's also dependent on like, Hey, does this kid live in like San Francisco or does he live in like West Virginia, Wyoming? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's, I think if they give them two different names, it won't be a big deal, but if they call it like the Xbox two S and the Xbox two and the S is for <laughs> streaming, like, and cost $35 instead of like $400 that the Xbox, like that's where you're going to run into problems. But if they're like reasonable about it and they call one like the X stream and one the Xbox. I mean, given Microsoft's tr- track record fine. for names. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, it doesn't look Xbox good. 360 uh, and was a great name for a console. But to go from that to Xbox One to Xbox One S to Xbox yeah. One X, like that's already kind of like a nightmare. Yeah. You can't have two X's, guys. Yeah. <laughs> There's three X's in that console. No, nah, it's pretty bad. But anyway. Yeah, I know. It's pretty bad. Um, I don't know. I I like to think that they will be smart enough to foresee that problem. But I don't know. Largely, I think that problem will have to be solved by the marketing I don't think it's going to come down to hardware at all. That's going to be a largely a marketing issue of letting the customer know there is a difference between this one box that costs way less than the other box that they both look similar to parents. Um, but there is a distinct difference and you have to somehow get that across to people that may not ever use that technology for themselves, but will buy it for someone else. And I think there's a, a strong possibility they can make them look very different too. Like, cause the streaming box could be like the size of a phone, you know, like it doesn't have to be very big. And so like the kid could just be like, no, I want the big one. Like, and there you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I just kind of was thinking in my head, like it seems to me as this generation progresses and we approach next generation and when next generation finally gets here, it maybe will look like that the three big companies are sort of specializing or banking on a different, different technologies like Microsoft, like clearly they're going all in on cloud. I think Sony will go all in on VR for the PS five. Like I think really? their, their VR tech will be built into the PS five. See, I don't believe for a moment that the next Xbox isn't going to have VR. I mean, I also, yeah, I mean, I could see the next Xbox being VR, but it won't be the foundation of the platform. Because, I mean, because Microsoft already has their VR initiative with Windows Mixed Reality. I just don't buy them. I mean, I don't understand if if Microsoft was really aggressive with VR, why not release one for the Xbox? Like they could have released a VR set for the Xbox One X and would have been the best VR, you know, console set you could get. I don't know. I maybe I mean, they don't make any of the hardware yet. 
So I guess that could be part of it. All their hardware is made by yeah, third I, parties. I could see. Okay, so here's my prediction, which has little basis other than like my gut feelings and just familiarity with the industry. I could see Microsoft releasing their consoles, right? And maybe like halfway through the generation, releasing a VR headset. Whereas I think Sony is going to come right out of the gate with PlayStation VR 2. Uh, that processing box you need to run PSVR games on the PS4, gone. All that built into the PlayStation 5. And I think, and this is kind of a stretch, but if they're really going all in on it, I could see them like modding the DualShock so where you can like maybe split it in two and use them as like VR uh, motion controls. Do you think they're going to use the same technology as with PlayStation VR right now, like the weird camera tracking stuff with the lights? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I think. I, I'm not honestly. I, I don't think. Know. Uh, I think probably just because that'd be the easiest way for them. Like rather than like supply all these See, I, uh, other things that the customer has to like set up themselves. Like I think they'll sell. See, I disagree. Sorry, I think. Go ahead. I think they're gonna switch to. Uh, I think a lot of people like. I think if console VR is going to happen, it's going to have to be inside out tracking like the mixed reality headset where you literally all you need is a USB three and an HDMI port. Like you don't need the box. You don't need to set up a camera anywhere. None of that. All you have to do is plug the headset in and everything works. Yeah, I could actually, yeah, I could probably see that for the, the PlayStation five, whichever, whatever is the least amount of hassle for the customer. Cause I think the biggest problem with VR right now, or at least with PlayStation VR is that it's just too much of a hassle to set up. There's too many ca- like there's too many Mix- cables, there's too many things to do just to play a VR game. Uh, and like yeah, mixed reality setup is like 3 minutes and you're done. So I would say that that's the technology people are going to yeah, mimic. So Cuz everything's I'd say built if Sony's headset. smart, they adopt whatever is easiest for the customer, whether it's like more practical for them as a company or not. And then you get room scale out of the box yeah. as well too. Hmm. Um, another thing before we completely jump off of Microsoft in, with regards to their next generation efforts I kind of wanted to touch on like their additions of all of their new studios to their first party like they just bought Obsidian they've been buying studios left and right actually they bought Ninja Theory like they are positioning themselves to be very strong uh, in with regards to first party games next generation well, I think they saw what happened when PS4 had a stronger first-party lineup, and they don't want to repeat right. that again with the next generation. They don't want to be in the same situation where PS4s are outselling Xbox Ones like at the rate they have been this generation. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah, I, Xbox is in a really good position to have a lot, a strong launch lineup on their next Xbox. I mean, they're already going to have Crackdown Three. Jeez, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a game that should have come out like two years ago, but yeah. Yeah, I just had to work that joke in somehow. Um, but yeah, I, I really do. I think I think a launch lineup really affects sales a lot. I mean, look at the Switch. All it had to ha- do was have Zelda. But like when the PS4 and the Xbox One came out, the, the, I had no drive to buy either of them, even though I was pretty into my PS3. They did, there were just no games. And by the time there were games, I'd lost interest. Because that's how I am. I like to buy stuff when it's new, and if I don't get it when it's mm-hmm. new, I don't get it. Um, mm. You mentioned Nintendo there, and I think I just wanted to bring up what's rumored for them is that they're looking to release a sort of Switch Pro next year. I really don't know why they would 
do this or what it would entail? Like, yeah, I can't think of anything you would add to the Switch without making it like a next gen con, like a next gen Switch instead there of. Were, well, there were a lot of things I think people found when they were digging through patents uh, related to the Switch that weren't implemented in the or in the Switch we have now. So maybe there's the potential for something they patented to resurface uh, when they're coming up with a new version for the Switch. I know there was something that looked like it could have been related to VR, but I don't know if I see Nintendo jumping for VR. Right I don't now. see that either. I just VR is not for kids, and it yeah, like won't be. there. There's like a, like that just like doesn't a, make sense like a to rule me. that pops up like on like when you pop in a VR game or at least on PlayStation that like you have to be at least like eight years old or something like that to play VR. Yeah, it's, it just doesn't make sense to me for Nintendo to target virtual reality at all. Yeah, I could see them going for AR in some capacity, but I don't... I mean, they already have. The 3DS had some AR Well, I'm talking about Switch Pro. If the Switch... Right, but I mean, like, yeah, like, it makes sense. Like, they've already worked with the technology a little bit yeah. before. But I don't know. Like, it's it's called the Switch, obviously. Like, so it still has to do its thing where it's, you know, you can dock it and you can take it on the go. I don't know if they'll just... I disagree. I don't think it does. Do you really they think made, this is it, the company that they would make a switch? This is the company that made a Nintendo 2DS. I don't think they would make a, but but th- that's the thing. Like that defeats the entire purpose of their console. Like that's what Nintendo's greatest strength right now. I could absolutely see them making a portable only Switch. Okay, I could see that. I could see that, but I don't think that would be a Switch Pro. That would be like their next handheld, right? Maybe. I don't see Nintendo abandoning what they have right now to jump to a whole nother console generation. I think at this point they've separated themselves from Sony and Microsoft enough that what I think they're going to release next year is probably just an updated, maybe they've worked out some hardware issues they wanted to fix with this Switch. It's still just the Switch, but maybe a little bit better on the hardware end. I don't see it being... Uh, a big enough upgrade to be a Switch Pro or a Switch Plus or anything. Um, I think we're still uh, probably like two or three years, maybe two years after a new generation starts that they'll have, they'll be releasing a new console that isn't the Switch. Yeah, I mean the Switch is I hope it's a while because the Switch's library is still in its infancy. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I just, I don't know. It's so interesting to me to think of these three companies. And in my mind, like I mentioned before, they're all banking on different things. Microsoft is banking on cloud tech. Sony's banking on VR tech. And then Nintendo's banking on portability. And And I could totally see myself like having all three of those things. Yeah, they're, they're so distinct. I want my PlayStation for VR, you know, I want my Nintendo to play on the go and like, Xbox is going to be so cheap, probably, if it's if it's a cloud offering. Like, I'm not going to have that $400 I- initial investment. Right. So I think they're really going to open the doors for people to, uh, the average person to have a, a PlayStation and an Xbox, See, more or less, and like, at least. I, I, yes, all of these technologies are really exciting and innovative. But once again, I think the the main thing it'll come down to, as it always does, is the games. Like... They can have the coolest technology in the world, like. But if, say, for example, Microsoft's new first parties still don't, still don't, you know, 
compete, then it's all moot. Yeah. All right. So, any final thoughts on next gen stuff? I know it's still early, but I kind of wanted to just address the rumors. I I hate the idea of a next gen switch. I don't know why. The, a version of like an, a better version of a console has never bothered me before. But the idea of my switch suddenly being a lesser product bothers me. It might me just a lot. be because it's so recent too. But we'll see. And and Nintendo's just never really done that. Like Nintendo released the DSi, right? And I guess it was a slight upgrade, but it didn't it all the games still ran pretty much the same. I, I guess the new 3DS, all it did was improve load times though, you know? Like they've never really hurt us in that regard. But if they release a Switch that has higher resolutions and stuff, I'm just going to kind of feel bad about it. Yeah. We shall see. All right. So Tristan actually had to step out a little early. So Connor, why don't we just wrap up this episode by talking about what we've been playing? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go first if you don't sure. mind. I finally picked up Beat Saber, which uh, for those not in the know, it's a VR game. Uh, where basically you have a red lightsaber, uh, more or less, in your left hand, and a blue lightsaber in your right hand. And uh, it has songs. It comes with like seven songs. So I thought that was a little light, but uh, I was able to get quite a few hours out of just those seven songs. But um, boxes fly at you in virtual reality. Boxes fly at you, and you have to swing your swords to cut these boxes with the right color in the right direction. And that's pretty much it. That's the soft pitch for the game. It's very simple. But uh, if virtual reality currently has a killer app, this is it. It's so fun. I just love, like, I don't know. I can just fire it up. Um, it's super moddable. So, like, all my all my songs are on there, and I can just hop in. And it's, it's a workout. Like, you get sweaty playing it because you're just swinging so furiously. And, like, a lot of the songs try to, like, kind of force you to emulate the the dances that are in the music videos for the songs and it's it's just a ton of fun it's it's my favorite vr game for sure like it's it's one that like i don't mind the hassle of like putting the whole headset on and everything to play it because i know i'm gonna have a great time it's high praise it's just so much fun and it's like it's fun as a party game almost too the only thing annoying is you can't really it's annoying to have headphones if you're playing it as a party game because it's already annoying to like pass the headset around but uh, I definitely, like, my girlfriend and her friend and I played it for, like, hours, just, you know, rotating every two songs or so, just passing the headset around and having a ton of fun watching each other look like idiots swinging our hands around in the air. Yeah, that's awesome. So I can't recommend it more. Like, it's, it's if you have a VR headset, you have to get Beat Saber. Like, you're just kidding yourself if you don't. Yeah, I heard it was coming to PlayStation soon, and I'll definitely be picking it up if and when it does. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's crazy good. It's not like, it's weird because it's not what you expect from VR at all. Because it's not like this crazy immersive world that you like get engrossed in and like live in. It's it's like, it's just this game that like, you know, you need the three the stereoscopic 3D that comes from having the headset. And you need the perfect one-to-one tracking that comes with the hand controllers. Yeah. But other than that, like, it's not a traditional VR game. You know, you're not getting... You do get absorbed into this world, but more, you know, more because you're like super into this song and you got to cut it up. Like at no point did I forget I was in VR playing it really. And you got to cut it up. Yeah. Such a cool concept. Yeah. It's a very fun game. Awesome. 
I have been playing Super Mario Party for the Nintendo Switch. Oh, that's a good one. I've been playing it too. So this new Bar- Mario Party is like a return to form of sorts. Um, whereas the last couple games, like they were such a slog, like you all moved together and like they, they really kind of stripped down the competitive element while it's back in this one. And I think another a, a, a cool thing they do in this game is that each character has a unique dice roll and that helps like give it actually makes your character selection relevant because like bowser has like a god tier dice roll whereas something like goomba has a really bad dice roll See, i hate bowser's dice roll <laughs> i mean it's so good like <laughs> you, you can move so far yeah but you can also but, move um, on on average though you're you're, st- you're statistically more likely to move more right yeah i think so i think yeah i think he has four tens anyway but um the mini games are all really simple and fun, and one really cool like quality of life thing they updated was uh, the practice is now just folded into the instructions for the mini game, which is much appreci- appreciated. Yeah, I so, love like, that yeah. so much. It's so that's, smart. Yeah, that's so smart, and like it's just the perfect way to do that. Yeah, um, like like now that it is that way, like I don't understand why it was ever any other way because it's just so. I, it's so intuitive. I never jump into a mini game having no idea what's about to happen anymore. And it was ninety percent of the time playing any other Mario Party game. Like, right? It just I I didn't want to read this huge block of instructions. I didn't want to you know walk, I didn't want to have to hit a button and do a practice round and then do it. Just it just so streamlined the experience in in such a good way. Yeah, and by and large, like. The majority of the mini games I played are pretty high quality. Like they're all fun and unique and yeah, they, simple controls, most like of them easy use, to grasp. They use the Switch to its full extent for the most part. Yeah, some in- incorporate HD Rumble in really neat ways. The the one area I would say is a little lacking is that there's only like three or four boards you can select to play on. But I don't really see that as too much of a downside just because of how fun the gameplay is. And they've added a new mo- mode called uh, Partner Party, which I think is even better than the regular Mario, Mario Party world, uh, Mario Party mode. Um, and it involves uh, a, a 2v2 match, essentially. And the level of like strategic planning uh, for this mode, as compared to the regular Mario Party mode, is like through the roof. Like, there's so many ways to strategize with your partner, like, how to use your die and, like, where to go and how to position yourself on the board that just add elements of strategy that, like, were really kind of bare bones in, like, normal Mario Party play, which I thought was really cool, uh, those additions. Yeah. Um, it's definitely my favorite Mario Party, although it's it's the first one I've ever bought myself, but I love it. Yeah, I love it, too. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite just because nostalgia but it's the best one in years and years and years like for sure so yeah if you got like three other friends and you have a switch and you have extra controllers a lot of prerequisites to fully utilize this game but yeah like really fun party game it's also it has some cool modes if you have two switches lying on a table next to each other right, I, haven't I, gotten to to play those yet. I haven't either but i'll have to bring our switches to lunch sometime and yeah we'll have to try that actually uh, oh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. For the record, I looked it up. Uh, Bowser can roll a 1, an 8, a 9, or a 10, and the dice block has two sides that are negative three coins. Yeah, that's pretty broken. Yeah. Like, if if you take an average of those numbers, it's, like, far higher than yeah, everyone else's average. Yeah, you have a 50% average. chance of going farther than a 6. Yeah. So, but you also have 
a pretty good chance of losing three points. My favorite dice in the game is Wario, which is a uh, four sixes and two negative. Yeah, War- Wario is really good. Yeah. Like I, I only played two games, and like both of the times I picked characters that just had god awful dice rolls. Oh really? Yeah, I kind of hate Goomba, that it doesn't Goomba tell you sucks, the dice man. when you're yeah. picking a character, but I also get why because it's not a game you're supposed to min max. Like, yeah, but it's going to be now that they've they've opened Pandora's box. You oh know? yeah, like, everyone's going to rush to Bowser and Wario. Yeah, as soon as they start the game. I mean, it's not like Bowser and Wario are the only good ones. Like Shy Guy, you get a four no matter what. That's pretty good. Like. Yeah. Like, you have a 1 in 6 chance of a 0, but that's, like, you know, that's nothing. But it's just crazy, because, like, uh, when we did the 2v2 mode, like, my partner picked Bowser, and I forget who I picked, but I picked someone decent as well. And the the other two, like, picked awful characters, and they, like, barely moved on the entire map. Like, I think the final score was, like, 8 or 9 stars to, like, 2 oh, or man. 1. Like it, it was just, it was just like slaughter. That's brutal. So yeah, yeah. The the partner party does like it's easy to like get a real uh positive feedback loop going. Yeah, keep getting more and more stars. Anyway, that's it's a good game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh, thank you, Connor, for joining me. I think Tristan will be joining us again Excellent. next week. Yeah. See you guys later. Bye.